Welcome to Jesus Has Left the Building, where we talk with people leading creative, outside the box, I mean outside the church building, ministries that inspire and engage us. Our vision is to unfold God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Our hope is that these stories will help you find ways to engage in your own communities as we work together for a more just and loving world. This is the Jesus Has Left the Building podcast, where ministers, people of faith, activists, and church leaders have left the building too, with Marta and Mandy. So today we are joined by Autumn Lockett and Mitch Randall, who are from Good Faith Media. Um, Good Faith Media is an organization that provides reflection and resources at the intersection of faith and culture through an inclusive Christian lens. And it was just founded um, recently, like about a year ago. Um, It's the result of ethicsdaily.com and nurturingfaith.net combining to form a new organization that's really grounded in the American Baptist tradition and Mitch is the CEO. But is ecumenical at Spirit? It is. They really absolutely. are bringing all different traditions. Right. They were super here. excited to talk to us mm-hmm. UCCers. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mitch is the CEO and Autumn does fundamental development for the organization. And um, they are, are really fun. We've ha- we had a really great conversation with them, don't you think? Um, I do. And so good faith media um, spans um, so it has books and articles um, but they also like travel they go to all different parts of the country and they do newscasts um, and tell stories of um, contemporary things happening in time Um, on top of that they support podcasting right in a major way and i got wind of them because i had some mutual clergy people that um, were in relationship with them. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And since we're um, doing this uh, season specifically around follow me and subscribe around media platforms, I thought, oh, I want to check them out. Yeah. So our conversation um, today is really like, I mean, I think it's a really full conversation, but one of the themes that came up in this particular conversation, but also in other conversations that we have had for this season four is this idea of how when we work, um, when, when others are successful in ministry, it is um, helpful for all ministries. Like, I think sometimes, you know, we have experienced these really siloed moments where we have to be competitive and super focused on kind of internal growth. And we don't let ourselves collaborate or join forces with others because we see them, you know, kind of as competition in some ways, even in the church world, which is like antithetical to, what it all is actually means to be a Christian, right? But um, there, the the kind of theme for good faith media is this idea of a rising tide lifts all boats, and that theme has come through multiple conversations we've had this season, and we're super excited to explore the ways that with good faith media, um, there can be that sense of camaraderie and working together so that we all grow and we are all working to do the ministry of Jesus. And what's cool about this episode is both Mitch and Autumn tell their story and and really who they are. I mean, all of the episodes do, but um, what is neat about them is that number one, they're still a part of parish ministry. Mm -hmm. 
Mitch goes to an actual church. So does Autumn, but Mitch was also a pastor um, in a church and now he's doing this ministry. So he really um, kind of gets both worlds right. and is able to bridge those in unique ways. And then Autumn um, is post-evangelical right. um, and um, tells a little bit about her own personal story in that world and what it means to be now um, doing ministry in this space. And so I think that, um, yeah, it's a good conversation. Yeah, people are going to enjoy this one. So welcome, Autumn and Mitch. We are so glad that you are here today. Um, tell us about your method to your madness. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, Marta and Mandy, thank you so much for inviting uh, myself and my colleague, uh, Autumn Lockett, uh, on the podcast. We are big fans of Jesus Left the Building. First of all, the name is just outstanding. Yeah, it uh, is. We applaud you immensely for that name. Uh, but we are glad to, to be here with you today uh, representing Good Faith Media. Uh, Good Faith Media is an organization that is fairly new. And when I say fairly new, we launched in July of 2020, we decided that, you know, during a pandemic, it would be a great idea to launch a new organization. Uh, and, uh, and so we did. But in reality, we're a new organization with over 60 years of history. It was a merger between two historic Baptist organizations. The one that I led was the Baptist Center for Ethics. Uh, we were operating under another name, called uh, ethicsdaily.com. And my predecessor, Dr. Robert Parham, founded uh, uh, ethicsdaily.com or, or almost 30 years ago. Uh, and it the emphasis on that was to use media, to use uh, new mechanisms to talk about ethical and social justice issues uh, within a Baptist perspective. And Dr. Parham did a fabulous job in those early days uh, when the internet was just getting long. Launched, uh, utilizing technology uh, to make certain that there was community built, an online community built to have these conversations. And then the other organization that came to the table to merge, uh, to create Good Faith Media was Nurturing Faith, but they have been known throughout history as Baptists today and even Southern Baptists today. Uh, they've got a long history of print publication. They've had a, a magazine for quite some time talking about what was going on in the Southern Baptist Convention and then later on the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Uh, they evolved into becoming an ecumenical periodical that talks about faith in general and what it means to nurture one's faith and included in that journal is a, a Bible curriculum that they have been publishing. So we got together, got our heads together, started talking about the need for progressive Christians to come together in a um, with a, a, a solidified or a common voice to talk about these important issues that we're facing today. And so we all came to the table and we looked at each other's organizations. We thought, oh, wow, these are two pieces of a puzzle that uh, we think would fit very nicely what Ethics Daily and Nurturing Faith were doing at the time. And so we just began to dream what this would look like. What would it uh, look like to have a, a larger voice in the marketplace that could promote a progressive faith, because let's just face facts. The last 30 years has been dominated by a conservative 
uh, voice when it comes to matters of faith. And so we are tired of that. There's some great organizations out there doing some fabulous work, but we think working together across uh, denominational lines, across uh, religious lines, uh, religious traditions, that we can speak in a clear and concise voice uh, to talk about the importance of, uh, of the way we see the world and how we think faith should be applied. So we created Good Faith Media. Um, that's awesome. So when I'm thinking about like, so Good Faith Media has a variety of resources and a variety of uh, mediums that you use. Um, would you say that the newest thing that's come out of this is this podcast um, is sort of the um, the recorded voice piece of your media, not just the written piece? Because, um, you know, written publications have been around, you know, for centuries and for such a long time. But would you say that is sort of the newest? And, and I guess, what are you learning most from that, particularly around ministry, beloved community, um, unfolding God's kingdom, um, sort of those things, you know, when we think about Jesus leaving the church, the building, right? Not the church, but the building. How is that um, being created um, in the virtual digital podcast space? I'd like Autumn to speak, if she would, about the importance of the voice that she discovered. I mean, uh, Autumn uh, and her husband have an extensive church background, but like many of us, grew up in conservative fundamentalist churches and then discovered that there's a whole different world out there that is talking about faith in a new and fresh way. And I think that sets the stage for what we're doing with new technology. Thanks. So yeah, my husband and I both came out of a, a ministry background and we're working in churches. And as he went um, through seminary, we started asking bigger questions than we'd ever felt comfortable asking before. And something that we learned was that God was big enough for those questions. Um, and that the God that we'd grown up knowing, maybe we felt like he, he or she, they weren't big enough. And with that knowledge, it really just sort of opened our eyes to all kinds of things going on around the world, you know, from social justice to um, all kinds of things that we had just sort of not seen before. And I think that's been a really interesting experience working with Good Faith Media is that we get to meet people who are, who talk with us, find out what we're doing. You know, we're at a, you know, a rally for something that's socially justice, you know, oriented and we get about halfway through our conversation and then they find out we're coming from a faith background and they're shocked because that is not you know, typically what they would associate someone from a faith background being affiliated with. And I, I love that surprise, you know, whether we're at a Black Lives Matter rally or wh whatever we're doing, talking with people who find out that we love Jesus and then also them, which shouldn't be revolutionary, but it is. And I think specifically the podcast format, I know Mitch will probably get into this more, it it really feels like you're sitting on a couch with someone and having a meaningful discussion. That's something that I've learned that our listeners feel, you know, people will text me and they're like, oh, I listened today. And you all talked about this. It's such a personal, intimate conversation. You know, you're in someone's ear in their AirPod and they feel like they're talking with you. And so Mitch and I can address things on the podcast that maybe if we wrote them on social media or in our print publication might get a little more, um, arrows thrown at us, but because it's just a conversation, people's minds are a little more open to what we have to say. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and what Autumn was saying, uh, to pick up on that, the podcast, especially, um, when uh, we were leading Ethics Daily, again, my predecessor, Dr. Parham, began to do video publications or productions early on. And so he was creating DVDs that uh, were addressing some very critical issues that the church was facing, such as immigration, Christian citizenship, separation of church and state, uh, prison reform. Um, and so he was using that mechanism at the time and distributing DVDs early on uh, in the ministry of Ethics Daily. And so the evolution of this communication, while it uh, for a long time was kind of a, a one-way track. You had the ethicist or the preacher or the columnist writing to an audience, and the audience was uh, listening, watching, and reading uh, from their, their perspective, but they were just taking it in. There wasn't an opportunity for them to be participants in the conversation. This is what I love about the new technology that we are utilizing at Good Faith Media and, and uh, like this podcast as well, Jesus Left the Building, that it seems like you're inviting people into a conversation. And that's what we're doing today. I mean, if you look at it with me, we're in two remote locations, being able to have a conversation uh, over Zoom is being recorded, and then it's going to be distributed out. You're going to get feedback uh, regarding uh, this, uh, this podcast. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation that the church is having and people of faith are having like never before. And I just absolutely love it because it's broken down barriers that have been in place for 2,000 years. There's always seemed to be this, this barrier between clergy and laity and expert and uh, you know, the, com the commoner out there. All of a sudden, we are just wrapping our arms around the entire beloved community and say, not only are you a part of the beloved community, but you have a say. Uh, beloved community, and, and you belong, and you're respected, and we need to hear your voice. Uh, and the way we're doing that is, is through podcasting. I think it's really interesting, Mitch, you know, you mentioned that your predecessor, um, like, was kind of on the forefront of, of, of the internet, like using right, right, it right, right. as, as a ministry tool, right? right? And like, I think he was on the cutting edge when he had an e-newsletter. I mean, he was blowing right, people's right. minds with right, an e-newsletter. Right. right. And I think it's so, like, this is one of the things that we, you know, we, Mitch and I have been talking about a lot since we participated in this um, Jeffrey Mahan's final lecture several weeks ago at ILIF. Um, both of us um, uh, got our um, master's degrees from ILIF and Marta's back at ILIF for her DMIN. And so, you know, we ha we've, we've got some, some, um, I don't know, some of our, our heart there, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Connections there. Um, but I think this is this thing that I never really thought about until, you know, very, very recently. And now it's like coming through in so many ways that this idea of using the newest form of communication for a, as a ministry tool is actually not new. The tool itself changes and develops and grows, right? But being being on that cutting edge and and trying to figure out how to use whatever tools are within our reach to do the work we're called to do, like that's actually not new, right? Um, there was probably the same kind of conversations, similar conversations happening um, when the Gutenberg printing press came out, right? So right. like, um, so, so how do we use that history to help some of our congregations that are really um, scared or um, 
you know, held back for some, for some reason, whatever it is to, to, to move into that next frontier? Like, how do we help them to feel more comfortable, to be ready to jump off that um, cliff in a very positive sort of a way? Like what, what is, what do we do with that? Well, you yeah. take a pandemic and it pushes them right <laughs> over the edge. All right, of a exactly. sudden, they're very- Everybody's a Zoom expert. Everybody's right. a Zoom expert. <laughs> right. We have definitely experienced that, no doubt. Uh, well, Manny, what a great question. Um, you know, for, first of all, you, you mentioned history. And, you know, I mean, since both of us work in a, a Christian tradition, um, let's take Jesus, for example. I mean, Jesus used new communication to convey his message. I mean, you had a religious order there that wanted to keep everything uh, insular in the temple and synagogue. And he tried that at the beginning of his ministry, he went in and, and spoke truth, and they didn't like it. Uh, and so he said, well, I'm going to have to find a, a new way to vocalize my message. And so most likely he's, he's very influenced by the Essene community uh, there in, uh, in Palestine. And so he goes out to the villages. He just says, well, I'm going to take this show on the road and I'm going to get in a boat and I'm going to talk to a lot of people on the shoreline. And it's, it was a, a, a new way of communicating outside the traditional uh, context of religious faith in his tradition. So you mentioned moments like that throughout history, and I totally agree with that. We are at a, a, a transitional point. I am a strong believer in the prophetic words of uh, Phyllis Tickle that every 500 yes. years, the church goes through a rummage sale. We are witnesses of this rummage sale. There is something going on globally with the church. And this is why your title of the podcast is so significant, Jesus Left the Building. I truly believe, and I, and I don't, I am not one to abandon the traditional church. I still am a member of a traditional church. I still go to a building on Sunday morning. But the reality is we have to start thinking of the church as an extension outside that building. It's no longer just on Sunday morning, Wednesday evenings, or anything uh, that just circles around that piece of property. The church is now being moved outside of that building. And Autumn and I talk about it frequently. When we attend a Black Lives Matter uh, march, for example, as we did several times last summer, when we attend a Palestinian rally, as we did last week, talking to people of faith, when we go to these moments or go to these events, when we see people out uh, advocating for social justice, which we believe is, is gospel, because mm -hmm. uh, you cannot have love without justice. You can't have justice without love. When we experience this, we are seeing the church at work. We are seeing the spirit moving among God's people and God's children. And it's not, uh, it's not within the four walls of the church. It's not within the property uh, of a faith community. It's happening in the neighborhoods, in the streets, all across the globe. And so I think we are seeing a transition of definition of church. And not just church. Like, I think we could even take that further because last week and, you know, sort of a, an effort to make sure that we're talking to both sides, we interviewed some Jewish leaders, we interviewed some Muslim leaders, and out of both of their mouths, we heard this sort of 
rallying cry of hope from their youth and that they are moving outside of the walls of the mosque, of the synagogue, and the kind of work that they're doing. So it's not just us, like it's, it's worldwide and mm -hmm. faith-wide. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I want to say. There, there, there's going to be those individuals and those organizations that cling with white knuckles to the ways of the past. And I want to honor that because I don't want to abandon it. I, did, I want to honor it. And I'm not trying to replace uh, those traditions or those institutions. But what I am saying is that there is a fresh movement of the spirit of the human spirit that is taking place all across the world. And while it may not look exactly like it used to look, it's still the same message. It's still the same gospel of love and justice, no matter who's saying it, whether it's a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, that's gospel, that's good news. And they are advocating for that good news globally. And again, it may not be attached to a traditional church, mosque, or synagogue, but it's happening in the streets. And so let me end with this that I truly believe our philosophy at Good Faith Media is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so if we are able to embrace this new technology, this new community that is emerging across denominational and faith traditions, if we can embrace that and we can continue to pour our spirit into what is going on in the world, I believe communities of faith will continue to rise. And even those old uh, mechanisms, those old institutions uh, and, and ways of communicating will rise with us. Uh, and I just believe that with all my heart. And so I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about what's going on uh, in faith communities because we see it each and every week at Good Faith Media. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, right now the, um, the Pew data says, you know, churches are on the decline, right? Um, the Christian mainline church is um, taking a huge nosedive. Um, but I wonder if we told that, said that narrative in a different way. Like, I wonder if we said, well, no, it's not dying. It's just growing in a different way. I wonder um, what that narrative would be like. You know, I was, I'm doing my DMIM project, which is super in the in infancy of it, but it is basically um, female clergies in the worshiping setting. And so I've crafted this whole um, worship, week, weekly worship um, project, uh, you know, with the podcast coinciding with it. And it even took my professor, like, I don't, what are you doing with the podcast? Like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, that's one piece of the liturgy. Like that is like one piece of what we're going to do that week. And it's going to be important. And people can just come to that. And that's it. They can come. That can be a primer for Sunday morning. And then they come on Sunday morning or they can just come on Sunday morning. Right. And so it's this whole new way of understanding what um, all of these things look like together. Um, and, uh, you know, it's liberating. I mean, Autumn, I think you're right. I think coming to this this place, it's, it's a liberating place place to um, be super prophetic. And I think that's what we're hearing over and over and over again. Yeah. So Mitch's son, his oldest son is sort of a comedic genius. Like he has a degree and <laughs> that he's amazing. And so I've learned a lot about improv from him. And I feel like this movement is like, it's like, we're yes. Anding God, right? Like we're yes. Anding our faith. Like, yes, you can go and hold a hymnal, but you can also like be a social justice warrior. Like you can do both of those things. They're not mm -hmm. mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we're really interested in this idea of, um, of these digital spaces 
as art forms. And we know that, you know, throughout the history of humankind, drawings and simple images, um, also oral tradition, written word, they are used to evoke the spirit, to, um, to express and communicate spiritual experiences, right? So we use these art forms to um, connect back into spirituality. And so now we have this new tool, the digital space. Um, and we, we wanna know how you use that space to either evoke a particular experience with the divine, to communicate those experiences. How is this digital space like connected, related to those drawings on a cave from thousands and thousands of years ago? What a, a great question, um, because, I mean, you start to think about it, uh, the digital content, uh, whether that is written content, whether that is audio content like we're producing today, or video content that we've produced in the, in the past and continue to do so at Good Faith Media, it is just another canvas for us to be expression or to express ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to express uh, themselves and herself through us in in this digital canvas that we have, and so you know it's just it's just another uh, mechanism in which we can connect with one another as humans. We can connect with the divine. I often talk when I, I was a pastor for over twenty years, and I always talked about the uh, vertical relationship and the horizontal relationship and their intersection of of where everything lies within that. And, and of course, the, the vertical is uh, the, the divine human relationship and the horizontal is our common humanity and how we relate to one another. And there's this intersection uh, within, within both. And so, you know, I, I see that with this digital canvas that uh, throughout history, uh, the divine has used multiple canvases to uh, express uh, themselves in, in many different ways and has used humans to do the same thing. And, and that's what this digital age that we're living in is a new canvas for us to, to communicate and to, uh, to, to relate to God as well as to relate to one another. Uh, and it's remarkable because we're able to, to relate to one another like we have never related to each other before. Um, early on, in my ministries, Callie, it's been uh, uh, before podcasting started. Uh, in fact, I did it over AOL, if that tells you anything. <laughs> uh, I decided, you know what, uh, this technology thing's pretty cool. And so I decided that I was going to start interviewing uh, people around the world in a, in a, a chat room. And so I would invite them to a chat room and, and we'd have a conversation and I would invite uh, other people to be a part of that. And they would ask my guests those questions. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's turned our little community that we known in our tradition as church uh, into a global community uh, where we can, you know, you know, Google has expanded even beyond our imagination. Uh, I'll never forget a couple of years ago setting uh, sitting uh, here in my office in Norman, Oklahoma, I have a conversation with one of my best friends in the world who's in Tamale, Ghana. 
And uh, he's sitting there on his bed with his laptop. And I'm sitting here, you know, in my office with my laptop. And we are literally a half a world away from one another across the globe. And we're having a conversation. It's the craziest thing. So um, I just see it as a new canvas uh, that, that God uses. Um, I agree. I, I, I love the idea of um, relating it back to, um, you know, oil paintings and um, photography and I feel like this particular canvas has been harder for people to get their heads wrapped around um, than some other other canvases that we've used throughout history. And I'm not quite sure why, like, why is this so hard? I think it's because technology changes so rapidly. Mm. And uh, someone said something one time that really resonated to me. And it was the, and, and it was this culturally and historically Shakespeare understood Jesus more than we understand Shakespeare because of how rapid culture and technology has changed. And since the digital age has launched, I mean, it is rapidly changing. I mean, just 15, I mean, I, I remember 15 or not quite 15 years ago, but 14 years ago, I can remember uh, buying my first iPhone and thinking this was the most ridiculous thing in the world. I had more computer power in my pocket than they had, you know, during the space race of the sixties. Uh, it was just phenomenal. And we can, I mean, just think about how things have changed even during the pandemic, uh, how rapidly uh, technology has changed. So I think as a culture, we do move slowly as culture. Um, as a larger culture. And so because technology changes so fast, it's difficult for people to stay up because it's like, oh, well, if I learn one thing, it's going to change quickly. Uh, or just, you know, as soon as I, I get one thing down, then something else happens. Um, and I mean, just look at social media, for example, you know, you know, Facebook uh, launches this, this, this new era, and then Twitter comes along, and then Instagram, and then TikTok. And, and so I mean, just, there's so many that go back and forth and Snapchat, there's just, they, there's, it's just rapidly changing. So I think a lot of people have difficulty mm -hmm. uh, keeping up. Clearly, you made a shift from the building, your, your call and ministry from parish building traditional ministry to this new space. Um, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, so when I uh, was asked to become the executive director of Baptist Center for Ethics that later evolved into Good Faith Media, um, I had a real struggle with making that leap because I had had. And so did his parishioners. <laughs> Autumn was that. one of my parishioners. I was one of them and I was mad. <laughs> uh, I had a, had a struggle personally because for me, the local church was, I mean, my life, my family revolved around the local church and we had incredible relationships within that community. And, and I had poured my heart and soul into the local church and parish ministry. But at the same time, when I was a pastor uh, in a local church setting, I was not afraid to use technology and to think outside the traditional context of how to do ministry. 
Um, we, Autumn and I live in Norman, Oklahoma, so right in the heart of Tornado Alley. And so, for example, when we would have tornadoes devastate communities, uh, and we wanted to quickly uh, start getting supplies into those communities, uh, I would pull out my cell phone, we would get in a car, go to those locations, I would broadcast live over Facebook or Twitter, what we were seeing and talk to local community leaders saying this is what they need in these communities. And then we would literally have trucks from all around the country send semis uh, to our local church so that we could di distribute uh, water and diapers and anything that uh, those communities need. So I was embracing technology early on in my pastoral ministry. But when Baptist Center for Ethics called and then later Good Faith Media called and said, hey, we want you to step outside that parish ministry uh, and lead this organization. It was a, somewhat of a transition for me. But at the same time, I realized I didn't have to abandon those relationships. In fact, those relationships were going to be extended through the amount of people I'm now able to connect with. Um, again, I'm still a member of a local congregation. I still have wonderful relationships within that church. Uh, I've not abandoned the local church by any means, but my community has broadened. And mm -hmm. so as I, I travel across the country and meet people around the world, I'm just, I, I'm just so inspired by what the Spirit is doing, what people are doing, to spread gospel, that love and justice message around the world. And I've discovered that, you know, I didn't have to stop being a pastor. I didn't have to stop mm -hmm. being a pastor. Um, you don't need a building to do that. Mm -hmm. You can be a pastor. Amen. You can be a pastor Amen. anywhere. You can do ministry Absolutely. anywhere. And uh, that's been refreshing to me because it was a little scary, you know, stepping outside because mm -hmm. you think, oh, you, you know, traditional thoughts, you got to have this church, you got to have a building, you got to have walls, you got to have a congregation. Well, guess what? whole world your congregation and so just go and do it mm -hmm. I love that story um thank you for sharing it autumn here this next question is for you um only because you know you're also straddling sort of that building parish life and also your sort of prophetic voice in this space um and you have a story of 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 leaving um, another faith tradition for a new one. And um, so I want you to talk a little bit about um, the community that's being created in this digital, digital space and how it is the same or um, and different from the past um, communities in other um, contexts that you have been a part of. That's a great question. So you know, I, I grew up in a faith tradition that was very much um, Southern Baptist, and um, there were some amazing elements of that. There are connections and relationships and foundation blocks that made me who I am today, and um, I'm thankful for that experience. I really am, and I think, you know, through this sort of new venture that I've been on with Good Faith Media, it is really like Mitch was saying, it's just like a, a bigger congregation, a bigger um, community, but it's not so very different from the small community with, you know, the pews and the red carpet that I grew up with, because it's, 
it's really about that interpersonal element at the end of the day. You know, I write very vulnerably whenever I write for Good Faith Media about um, my family, about mental health, about um, access to health care, about unemployment, about things that are tender. And every time I do that and I, you know, connect with more people who, you know, private message me or, or you know, interact with, with that writing in some capacity, it doesn't feel so very different from a Sunday night where you got up and you gave a testimony of what, you know, you learned at youth camp. It's, it's not so very different, but I think what's so beautiful about this is that the voices coming back to me, um, now look a lot different from the people who sit around my dinner table, um, and my family, you know, they, they come from different faith traditions. They come from, you know, folks who have come from, from different backgrounds and the community of good faith media is also open to people who may not be comfortable sitting in a church building or a synagogue or a mosque, people who for one reason or another um, are comfortable coming and sitting on a patio with us to talk about, you know, life and, and how, how they're dealing with different traumas with a big T or traumas with a little T, but we're still having sort of a faith-based conversation and it feels like church, even though it's not. And so I think just that connection is really what is the same. Mm -hmm. There seems to be this deepened relational, um, integrated, Mm -hmm. um, connecting piece, um, just so rich and deep and, um, you know, I, I just keep on coming back to um, integrative, right? It's it's integrated in a way that we don't seem to find on Sunday morning during one hour, unless unless you have really, you know, bold and courageous clergy up there inviting sort of that intimate, vulnerable space, which there are some who are doing that, um, right? But um, there just seems to be a, a safety in this, um, in this medium that you don't quite get in the same way, but it would be great at some point if some of those things can start to converge in some ways, Um, because I do think our our in-person spaces um, are desperate for um, the kind of voices you all are talking about, those really prophetic, courageous, um, brave voices to just come out from, you know, the the, the building space. You know, Marta, what I've, I've discovered is that every, we all have this sense for community. If there's one thing that the pandemic has taught us is that we have a not only a deep need, but a deep desire for community. And, you know, I, like everybody else, have Zoom head after a year <laughs> of meeting uh, online and can't wait to get back in person uh, to, to, you know, to actually have you know look face to face with somebody and, and have a conversation with them but this deep sense of of community and also a willingness to talk about hard topics um and during this time i mean you just think about everything that we have had to endure over the last five years or so and then uh the pandemic broke uh, over a year ago now uh, people are hungry for these conversations. And a lot of times, uh, even recently, clergy have shied away from those conversations from the mm-hmm. um, while their parishioners are wanting to talk about it, because guess what, they're talking about it at the water cooler. Uh, and, and for the last year, the virtual water cooler. And so they're trying to 
Yeah, they want someone to help them construct a theological framework and how to interpret everything that's going on in the world from pandemic to uh, policing reform uh, to, to, you know, whatever the latest issue is. Uh, uh, people are wanting to, how do we think about these issues theologically? Um, and so I think it's important for us to have those conversations. And a lot of times, uh, clergy are hesitant to have those conversations, and I don't want to ban- I don't want to bash on clergy because I understand because I was one of them for a long time. I understand sometimes their hesitancy to have those in the fear of dividing your church, uh, for example. But there are other mechanisms such as good faith media, such as uh, Jesus has left the building that can have those conversations, and their parishioners can listen in, can participate without a direct threat to their institutional church. And so I, th- I think this sense of community has evolved, it's growing, and it's more important now than ever before, before because people are wanting to have these important conversations to think theologically about current issues. Well, right. And I think that Mandy and I initially um, started this because we're a small church with uh, a small budget, right? And um, so we can't have, we can't call these all these lecturers to come and pay them, you know, to be in our space, um, to give these adult education um, com- talks, you know, on important issues. And so we started this, and I think in part we started it was to start normalizing some of these conversations. And so when you have um, podcasts or the, these digital spaces that are bringing up these prophetic issues, these important um, contemporary issues, and connecting it to our to our ancient text um, on a platform like this, it's like, oh, that's actually normal. Um, you know, I'm, I, I too, like, don't want to put clergy under the bus, but, you know, even like this past weekend, um, we've been asking these questions um, on Sunday morning of people to, um, to talk about personal, personal things. And so this weekend we connected, um, you know, uh, the Pentecost um, story to how do you listen well? Because, you know, there was something about that moment that um, all of those people were speaking different languages and bringing different cultures and, and somehow they were able to hear each other in this really profound way, right? And so I told this whole story about my oldest daughter and her significant mental health diagnosis um, as a way of saying, hey, let's normalize this. Let's talk about it. Let's have no shame around it. And we might have also different opinions around it. And that and about how each of us, each parent might handle a particular diagnosis. Um, and I just want you to know as as the minister and pastor, like I'm still sort of reeling from that. Like, was that okay to tell that story? I mean, I know it was fine with my daughter, right? Because we have this no shame thing going on, but like, how did other people feel about that? And, you know, are they thinking about that and how they're going to interact with me now? Do they feel like they need to take care of me? I actually don't need that. You know, all of the, it's really hard, right? Um, And so I think that the more we do this on this platform on these platforms like this, the more that we can normalize just putting stuff out out there that are really hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, Mitch, you said like people are talking about these hard things at the water cooler, right? And what a sad state we have been in that those spaces are not available to us. 
within our faith communities, that this whole part of a person's life has been um, removed from that reality, that authenticity. Um, and, and I think that normalization is, is really key. It's an indictment on the history of our hesitancy to talk about these issues within a local context. Here's the good news. And this is where I go back to our adage at Good Faith Media that the rising tide lifts all boats. This is not an either or, it's a both and. Mm -hmm. We want to embrace the institutional church to say, we understand there are some shortfalls of the institution. There are some things you feel like you can't do or you can't talk about for whatever reason. And I'm not here to judge you. You've got your reasons for not talking about them. But guess what? We can, and we're, mm -hmm. we're happy to do that. So invite us in, or we invite you to come into mm -hmm. our, uh, our digital space to have these conversations um, because they, they need to be happening because not happening is no longer an option. Mm -hmm. We have to have these conversations. We, they're difficult, hard conversations to have, but they're necessary and Good Faith Media and, and your uh, church and podcast are having these conversations along with many others. And to me, that is going to be the most positive steps that the future church can take to continue doing what we do and expand on it. So how can our and, listeners out there, how can, they, how can they find you, listen to you, engage in your resources? What would you say the best way for them to connect with Good Faith Media? Autumn, do you want to take that? Sure. So goodfaithmedia.org is a great place to start. We release um, original content, three to four articles a day, um, and that's news and opinion. So it's a very, you know, progressive faith-based uh, background, and they write about everything from, you know, our experiences that we do, um, people reflecting on that, to, um, you know, really wonky theological things sometimes. And, and that's great. Like it's, you know, as a, a lay person, it's, it's really good for me to learn that. I think also making sure you follow us on social media, it's a great way to know um, what's going on. So a good faith media, if you just search that on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, it's a great way to follow along with us. Thank you. I agree. You all have great content and I am so glad that, um, we, we got to spend some time hearing your story and talking to you. Um, this has been, this has been really good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us and uh, invite us back anytime. We'd love to have you uh, both on Good Faith Weekly as well. Yes. Yeah, we'd, we'd love, love that. that. <laughs> Join us next week as we talk to Reverend Sarah Tevis Towns, a TikTok pastor with over 100,000 followers. She'll share her best-kept secret. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Find us on Facebook at JHLTB and message us to learn how you can be part of this effort to tell stories, have conversations, build relationships, and follow Jesus out of the church and into the world. To support our work, search for Black Forest Community Church on Venmo to make a one-time donation or become a patron on our Patreon account at patreon.com slash jhltb to commit monthly to this project. You'll get regular communications and updates about our stories. We give thanks to Black Forest Community Church and the Tributary Fund of the Rocky Mountain Conference of the United Church of Christ for their ongoing support. We could not do this without all who support Jesus has left the building.